Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am your host, John Robb. Unfortunately, my co-host, Jeff Ayers, decided to jump out of the airplane tonight with the parachute. He's got something else he's got to do, and he's going to miss a really great interview because we are going to be speaking tonight with none other than author Rochelle Decker, and we're going to be speaking about her latest book, which is called Nine, which came out September 1st. So when you're hearing this interview, you can go pick up a copy of that want to remind all of you that all of our shows are brought to you by Suspense Magazine, so please make sure you visit suspensemagazine.com for more information on what we got going on. Of course, you can follow us on, Spy, on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, a bunch of other places. And also, November 17th, don't forget our anthology, Nothing Good Happens After Midnight, will come out with Jeffrey Deaver and Linwood Barkley, Reese Bowen, Heather Graham, John Lasquad, many, many people in that. So you want to check that out again, November 17th, Nothing Good Happens After Midnight, which is so true. But let's just jump right in here to um, author. We've never spoken with her before. You might remember the last name. We'll get into that later about maybe with the last name uh, you might recognize. But, Rochelle, we want to thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. That first time uh, that we spoke, I did um, – I have interviewed your father before, Ted, and yeah. for a couple times. I remember – I think the first time I did it was one of, like, the bride collector, I believe. And um, so that was great. But talking to you for the first time here, this is wonderful. And we're going to talk about your latest book, which is called Nine, which is a standalone novel, which, uh, like I said, came out September 1st. So give us a little bit about what you got going on in this one. Yeah, so the elevator pitch, as you will, um, Nine is a story about uh, two women um, whose paths cross, one who's kind of trying to avoid her past and one who has amnesia and can't remember anything about her past. And they quickly find out that um, they're being hunted by um, the government because of the darkness in their past they're trying to outrun and that one can't remember. And they go on this epic journey of uh, trying to, first of all, stay alive and also ask, you know, the deeper questions of identity, you know, Am I who the world says I have to be, or can I change my story? Am I dictated by my past? These are kind of the themes that we deal with in a very suspenseful, on the edge of your seat, you know, kind of way, because otherwise it's not fun to read. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the the snapshot of the book. Oh, my fault. I had oh. myself on mute on accident because I had a train going by. So uh, fans might know you <laughs> okay. from your Sears series, of course, which – is the returning and the calling and the choosing, but your last couple novels have been standalone novels. And yeah. it's went through deep waters and, of course, now nine, and then the one you wrote with your, um, with your father, Ted, the girl behind the rope, the red rope. So tell us, are you kind of, uh, were these stories that you wanted to explore for quite some time, or was this, is this what we're going to see where you're going to be more standalone and maybe less series in the future? Yeah, I think this Standalone is probably something I prefer to do. I mean, a series is a, is a great journey because, you know, you fall in love with characters, you fall in love with places, and you get to keep exploring them. So that's always fun and a happy place, but it's a lot more work, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you do have – you set up an expectation. Um, if you release the first one, it does really well, then people have ideas about what should happen next. Um, and so I sometimes feel like there isn't as much freedom. So I like the standalone adventure. I like that I can decide to just create a totally new character and follow them um, somewhere else completely that I haven't explored before. So probably, yeah, I'll do some standalone novels for a while, but I wouldn't count the series out. I mean, writing a trilogy is still a super fun thing to do. So Yeah. 
And, and that's the thing about series that I find fascinating because I love trilogies. I like series that are close-ended, which means I know there's going to be an ending because it gives me that suspense to kind of see how the author is going to kind of build up to the ending and, and what journey you're going to lead me on. Open-ended yeah. series, not really that way. <laughs> Yeah, no, not really the continuous. There's 12 novels in this series, and it will never end. It's, that that feels like it would be a lot as a writer. I'd, I'd have a hard time with that. Yeah. Personally. But your character yeah. here, Zoe Johnson, uh, you've got to give us a little bit of background into her, so you've got to kind of let us know the conception. Uh, what was it about her that kind of spoke to you that got you excited about Nine and continuing through till you finished? Yeah, so I really love to take women specifically just because I have so much experience being a woman um, and explore <laughs> like, our role in the world. And so I always like pushing the bounds of identity and asking questions um, and then, you know, putting it in a place where anything can happen, but it's safe for me to discover personally because it's fiction um, mm-hmm. and I'm not actually being hunted by the FBI, thank goodness. Not yet, at least. That would be fun, so, though. <laughs> you never know. So, yeah, so Zoe Johnson is interesting because if you read Girl Behind the Red Rope, she's actually um, a character in that novel, and now it's 20 years later. And that's a very... Oh, that's right. Yeah, so it's a significant part of her backstory, but a very small kind of tie-in, uh, just because, you know, I love a good Easter egg. Um, mm-hmm. So that plays a pretty significant uh portion or a pretty significant um, piece of her development and the way that she views the world um, because for those who haven't read Girl Behind the Red Rope, it's about a, it's about a cult. Um, mm-hmm. And so she grew up in this very intense situation, very intense environment um, and now kind of coming into the society and having to acclimate and, and what happened because of that and, and getting to play on some of that um, in a way, I tried to do it in a way where you didn't need to have read The Girl Behind the Red Rope, which I accomplished, I think. But it, mm-hmm. it is uh, interesting to get to play on her psyche now, having written her as a little girl and now here as an adult. Um, mm-hmm. So that was kind of something I really wanted to do. Um, and what would these people be like 20 years later who had lived through this experience? Um, and then I wanted to make this a real... A testament to like feminine friendship, um, and so I wanted to to make Lucy, who's kind of her counterpart, um, and the girl who has no memory that she encounters, and it's really their story together. Um, it's as much Lucy so as it is Zoe's, um, and really d- demonstrate struggle between women, friendship between women, with two women who have completely different backgrounds, but also very very similar um traumas so Mm -hmm. it was it was a really fun challenge for me and i loved writing that i loved writing both of those women as strong kind of independent kind of searching kind of unsure like all of this i get to play with so many different emotions and um with the two of them while they're of course being chased and Mm -hmm. trying to survive and trying to just figure out what the heck is going on because nobody really knows because um, Lucy can't remember, and Zoe won't talk about her past, and, you know, she's changed her name, she's a different person now. I mean, so all of those elements made it just, like, it was a blast. It was This was yeah. the most fun I've ever had writing a novel, for sure. Now, now that you're six books in, 
when you uh, when you were getting to write nine and when you were sitting down to do it, was there something that you were thinking of yourself like, okay, I want to challenge myself in this book for for scene or for dialogue? Like uh, your books are very emotional, and you already got that pretty got down pat. But was there something else that you wanted to challenge yourself in as a writer to kind of explore and push the boundary a little further? Yeah, so I really wanted to focus on the action in these mm. books. Uh, or in this book, um, action is something that I kind of stray away from. I don't think a lot of people do it excellently. Um, and those who do, I really, really admire, like James Patterson, Stephen King. You have some who really like Matthew O'Reilly. If you ever read Matthew Riley, that yeah, guy writes Matthew, an action yeah. scene like no other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like just like a, it's like a picture happening, like a movie happening in your right. mind. You know exactly. And I have not nailed it. So for reader, for listeners who are like, oh, she worked on action, I'm working on it still. <laughs> so, I, so I added elements in this book that were, um, you know, because Lucy, you quickly find out, is extraordinary. Um, she's not just a 17-year-old girl because she's a little bit younger um, than Zoe, who's in her mid-30s. She's not. She is. Um, she has special abilities. It's kind of got this, uh, I guess, I've heard from a couple of reviewers, like, foreign identity feel a little in, in scenes. And so I wanted to bring in those elements of what would it be like if, you know, somebody who was had extraordinary abilities was in a room with, you know, three or four people, and it was one against three, and how do I write it in a way that makes sense, and I don't get it over my head, which I felt like I did a couple times, and I had really good editors, you know, mm-hmm. thankfully. So, but, yeah, I really wanted to kind of push the boundary on that and then also just from a pacing perspective i wanted it to feel like it never really stopped um i wanted you to feel like you were really on the edge of your seat because this is a suspense i haven't really done before i always Mm -hmm. kind of mix it with dystopian or um you know psychological uh, intrigue or um you know even in this last one like kind of um like paranormal activity or uh, paranormal senses so this one is just a kind of like straight suspense from beginning to end um which was a challenge and so for a book like that you got to have some really good like kick-ass action scenes. you know you got to have some guts to it um and i knew that was going to be a challenge because it's not something i'm great at but i don't want my story telling to be limited just because of that so right. i gave it my best hey I'm that's something you do criticism <laughs> right and you know and and i thought that the scenes in the book i thought were very good uh there was nothing that really stood out as far as like oh man you know she doesn't know how to write a scene i i didn't sense that at all um really Mm-mm. good no idea good. but that's well, why i always ask because i like to know what an author even of authors that's written 50 books, they always seem to want to, you know, you always try to challenge yourself because it's, yeah. it's that thing that pulls you back all the time to want to keep writing. Right. right. I think that, you know, as a writer, when, the moment you decide you don't care about your craft anymore, the reader knows it. So it's important mm-hmm. that as you continue to grow, just like, you know, exploring the world and, and trying new thematic uh, content, you also have to always be focused on the craft and how, how do you make it better? How do you improve your dialogue, your, you know, uh, character development, your action, your pacing? Um, all of those things are really important, too. Otherwise, it becomes dry and dull, and the reader always knows because, you know, they're super smart, so they always pick up <laughs> on it. Well, they, the thing is that they catch everything. That's the one thing they, they do. do. <laughs> they catch everything. They really, like, oh, really my do. God, you caught that red and blue thing? Like, I didn't think anybody was going to catch that. <laughs> they catch things that I don't catch. Like, they make correlations, and I'll be like, oh, 
I didn't do that, but I'm going to say I didn't take credit for it because it sounds awesome. Like they're just well, very, yeah, that's, it's, it's like they almost know it better than you do. It's strange. It's a, interesting. Especially if you have, you know, people who have wrote all of your work. They're, you know, they, um, they're very close to it. And I actually love that relationship with the readers. It's very unique. Now, before, of course, everything hit, did you, uh, did you do a lot of conventions? Were you out there with people? I, you know what, I didn't actually really do a lot of that. I've, I attended several writing conferences as a student, mm-hmm. um, like trying to learn, and I studied in school. Um, but I didn't really do the, con- the um, convention r- kind of routine, I think, because I was fortunate enough to get published pretty early. I mean, I wasn't even 30 yet. Um, right. And so I, you know, my path was a little bit unique compared to a lot of writers who have been doing that for several years and kind of get published a little bit later. Um, and then, of course, after being published, then I was asked to speak at some. And that felt very intimidating because I – I was just going to say, know, how is it having to sell yourself now to people? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it, is, it is a weird thing. I mean, I, um, as an artist, kind of through and through, there's this new weird phenomenon in publishing where you become like a brand. I know. Um, I hate and, that word, brand. I know, and it's really hard for me because I am terrible at it. Like, I'm not a big, I'm not going to be the writer or the author that you connect with who is always posting on Facebook and Instagram and using social media and has like a crazy emailing list cycle. Like, I just, I don't really know what to say. I feel uncomfortable. I'm, you know, I'm a writer. So my happy place is like in my office by myself with my fictional friends. So it's a very... right. You know, it's hard. So the, the branding is hard. I've had to really step out of my comfort zone um, and pretend to be extroverted, even though I'm definitely not. Um, and, I'm, and I get better at it as time goes on. And I, and I think I, I also kind of care less as time goes on. I'm like, I'm just going to do as best work I can. It's going to find the right readers. And, like, that's, that's what I, you know, I want to pour myself into the work and not into cultivating a brand necessarily, right. although it is really helpful and, and necessary in this day and age. But, yeah, it is a really strange thing, though I did watch my dad, Ted, do it pretty well. Um, I think so. Sport was a thing. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. Did a, he, he's done a pretty good job at cultivating a brand somehow before brands were brands. True. Um, so and he even did I it really see. without a big series because a lot of the yeah. people when they say brand, it's like, you know, like you said, James Patterson with Alex Cross mm-hmm. or Lee Child with Jack right. Reacher. Unless you're like Stephen King or Dean Koontz who really never had a major series, just wrote a yeah. shitload of wonderful books. But other than that, it is. I mean, it, it's something that if you have to think about that too, how can you write also? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it is the combination. I always think that like self-published, especially successful self-published writers are superheroes. They have, like, because they are the the business machine and they are the talent, which is not something I think I could do. And and the fact that there are people that do that is, I just, it's, like, beyond me. I have such, such respect for that. I know several, and I just, like, I don't, when do you sleep? How do you, I just, yeah, I mean, they're just machines. It's amazing. I mean, because they put out, quality work but then they also have to sell it all on their own they're you know it's just it's a lot of responsibility (laughs) but you know are you more of an outliner do you or you just kind of let the things come organically to you oh i am a like outline stickler 
Like, I'm, <laughs> in, I'm in the camp that is like, if you write a book without an outline. You and Jeffrey Deaver, he's a massive outliner. Something wrong with you. Oh, my gosh. I, am, I will spend more time on the outline than I do on the actual writing of the novel. <laughs> I've heard that like, before, too, yeah. Or the same amount, like three months on an outline, three months to write a novel. So about six months for a book from beginning, not, not, not inception of it, right? That happens mm-hmm. somewhere in, in, the, in the past, and then it percolates, and then it comes back to you when you're ready to write it. But, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer of that. So, but, like, from the time I sit down, I'm like, hey, day one, computer's open, I'm going to start outlining this novel to finish. I, I usually have about equal parts of each. Um, and I always say – I said this to my publisher many times, to other people, if the outline isn't working and I try and jump into a novel, I'm going to have to rewrite it from the beginning. So it is worse. Like, like I, I will not start a novel until that outline is completely finished. Like, I need a roadmap through the forest. I need to know where I'm going. You know, not every single detail on every single page, on every, yeah. of course. But, like, I need to know what's happening in every chapter. You need to know all the motivations. Who is the villain? What is his backstory? Where does he come from? Who are my who's my protagonist? Right. Who's my sidekick? Who's my love interest? Like, I I need to know what's my resolution. Like, how is this all going to tie in? Otherwise, you get lost in the weeds, and then I don't know. For me personally, I feel super overwhelmed with that. I like a good map. I like a good. I've done it both ways, and no map sucks for me. <laughs> Okay. I, I'm not good at that personally. Yeah, I like the, I like knowing where I'm going. Um, it helps keep me in line. Otherwise, now, I, like that's why there are like vampires in the novel. There weren't even vampires in the conception. Like, how did this even happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, now, how much of the outline gets left on the cutting room floor, though? I mean, do you have, sometimes when you start writing, and all of a sudden another idea comes to you, you kind of you mm-hmm. kind of stray off a little bit and then try to bring it back. Yeah, so I definitely allow myself creative liberties for the muse to kind of inspire them going along. A lot of times I'll have, like, okay, these are the 33 chapters, and I have, like, a paragraph or two for each chapter, and I'll have, like, pretty intense um, character, like, descriptions and, like, introspection on them and backstory on them, stuff that will never make it into the novel. But I need to know who all of my characters are. Um, They need to be as real to me as my actual friends. And... um, but then, yeah, I, le- I leave myself room, and I'll be like, oh, my gosh, I just had this brilliant idea how to do the novel. I should have my character do this. <laughs> so then before, before continuing, I will go back to my outline, and I will rework the rest of the book from there. So, and that usually doesn't take me very long um, unless it's a major overhaul, which has only happened to me once um, with Wind Through Deep Waters. But I will go back, and I'll say, okay, I want to add this in, look at the rest of my outline. Where was the story going? Can I just plop this in? And then mm-hmm. h- how do I assist what I've added, because I think it's really good, throughout the rest of the novel? What do I need to change before so that what I've added in makes sense here? And a lot of that comes, you know, in editing, too, working with just an amazing content editor who helps mm-hmm. just make sure everything's syncing up and there's consistency throughout and all the va- motivation makes sense. But, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm still inspired as I'm writing and things still pop into my mind in the middle of the night while I'm trying to sleep, and it's like, oh, okay, well, i got to explore that because it came – because for some reason I thought of it, so I need to explore it at least and see if it makes sense for this book. Interesting. Now, of course, 2020 is the year that sucks. So have you, <laughs> uh, have you kind of let any 
kind of anything like that's been going on maybe kind of affect it, like your next book or anything that you would write? Of course, it wouldn't happen in nine because it was already done before anything kind of happened. Right. But have you kind of a lot, like your next novel, have you kind of used everything that's been kind of going on in this shitty year? And the reason why I also say shitty year is because with the day we're taping this, one of my idols, Eddie Van Halen, just passed away at the age of 65. Oh, and I'm, yeah. yeah, and so it's like, fuck 2020, I'm done with it now. I mean, I, I, I'm just... Yeah. I mean, this is like the seventh, and I'm a huge metal guy. I love 80s, 70s metal, hard rock. Yeah. And this is like the seventh, you know, Frankie Benali from Quiet Riot. I mean, Neil right. Peart last year. So there's been so many in this cluster. But do you, have you allowed that to kind of affect your next book? I don't think so. I try not to um, just because I think probably it would just be angry. Maybe I'll have like a really angry character. Maybe okay. that will come through when I actually sit down to write. Uh, whatever's coming next in early next year. Turn into a villain. Yeah, I mean, yeah maybe a really angry villain. Yeah. Um, you know, with some. Uh, yeah, the funniest thing actually that has happened to me as a as a uh, outcome of 2020 is that in the the Seer series, which is my first trilogy, as you mentioned, um, mm-hmm. that I wrote. You know, the whole dystopian setting is based on a post apocalyptic you know, country that all died because they took a vaccine, right? That's the setup mm-hmm. for the series. And so I've had several people who are reading it for the first time reach out to me and be like, so, you know, I don't want to get into politics or COVID or what's happening, but this feels kind of like a premonition of what was to come when you wrote this because I just made stuff up then, never thinking that, oh, we would be – in a pandemic where everybody would need a vaccine and that vaccine would then turn people into zombies and they would kill each other, which is just kind of the setting of the choosing and the beginning of that series. So that's been kind of fun to have, uh, you know, new readers be like, um, so this is giving me concern about our current state of being, but yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't let it affect me yet, but I'm not writing currently. Uh, like mm-hmm. I said, I won't jump into my next uh, book till after the holidays. So we'll see. Ask me. Ask me again later. Okay. Maybe it just hasn't come to the well, surface yet. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, when you look at 2020, it's just one of those. It's just a year to forget, you know. But right. it, it is what it is. Um, so you. So you haven't really. So you haven't started in your next book yet. Not even outlining or anything like that. Nope. I just have a general idea. Okay. Uh, so you're not every. Yeah. You're not a book a year. You're kind of one every well, other year, maybe? Yeah, so I took some time um, between these two books. I have a two-year-old. Oh, um, congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, he's almost two. He'll be two in December. So I've been uh, focusing on, on that. But then I actually wrote a kid series. Oh, um, very nice. I, I, yeah, so I, I um, kind of paired, paired up with my dad again uh, to uh-huh. do kind of a self-publishing a self-published uh, kid series um, just some you know like middle grade so sure. you know, ages like 8 to 13 or whatever um, and just kind of tried my hand at that as a mom now I was like okay I'm not interested mm-hmm. and just well it keeps you writing totally which is good it keeps you yeah. active which is good yeah it did and so story's a story the last couple of months the summer mm-hmm. I'm sorry what was that I said a story's a story. I mean, writing stories yeah, is true. writing stories. <laughs> yep, yep. So I'm working on that, and that comes out here in October, in, 10, in I guess, five days, about October 15th. And so I, I was doing that, 
but I'm getting ready to ramp back up uh, definitely. My, the wheels are turning. I find myself thinking about this idea that's come to me more and more um, for what I might possibly be writing next. So it's not, it's not far off. But trying to start in the middle of the holidays is just like a waste because yeah, that'd be tough. You know, yeah, that'd be tough. There's a lot going on. Yeah, a lot going on. There's a lot of stuff happening. On. Yeah, but it's coming. Now, how old were you when your dad let you read his? You know, read his. Start to read his work. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. So his early work was pretty safe. Um, you know, it was definitely had like a Christian, a strong Christian vein, and like right. child was like you know. Some kind of like some some of that older stuff. Blink is really a love story, like a love chase story. So mm-hmm. I was um, I was probably, but you know, like I I was reading Carrie by Stephen King when I was like thirteen. Oh, good for so, you. So you know, I mean, that's one of my favorite novels yeah. of all time. So yeah, so I I probably read. I think the first one I remember reading of his, I was like, whoa was probably Bride Collector. Or maybe... Okay. Or maybe did you look at him different after that book? Did I'm sorry, say, say that again? Did you look at him different and say, wait a second, you're my dad and you wrote that? What's going on with you? <laughs> yeah, not really because, you know what, he's like that all the time. Oh, so, okay, you know, that's good. We, yeah, 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 around the dinner table, he was like, yeah, I was doing research today and this is the easiest way to get away with murder. You know, those are the conversations we were having. Nice. So, so it was in your head early. You were like, yeah. you were like, I'm writing stories. That's just all there is to it. Yeah, I mean, I wrote my first book when I was 12. Good I was like a novella about uh, like a super. I was super into Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. Yeah. Um, when I was like 11, Love 12, them. and yeah, I, I mean, I I devoured all of those. I could not get them quick enough. Did you? And so do you I remember Encyclopedia Brown. Yes. Yes. I read yes. all those. I love those books. Yeah, they were so entertaining. And Nancy yeah. Drew was like such a, she was so like awesome and strong and smart. And, yeah. you know, I don't know. She, she was like the first like feminine protagonist. She, she was like Wonder Woman yeah. before I knew who Wonder Woman was. And, yep. yeah, and so like uh, I would, and so I wrote my own version of that. That was kind of my first. So I was like always into mystery and suspense. That's kind of where my love of story comes from. Um, and so, yeah, so I was, I was prepared, I was ready, and, uh... And you were like, I can do this, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I guess I was a little disillusioned, because I was like, oh, my dad does it, like, how hard can it be, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of idea. And I'm a father, too, and I'm like, I can understand how my kids would think that, well, come on, my dad does it, how difficult is it? And then you start doing it, and you're like, like, oh, okay, dad, I have respect for you now. Yeah, exactly. Well, and he, like, begged me not to, you know. He was like, do not do this. Like, get a degree. Do something else. Have a backup plan. Like, this is so hard. Like, the criticism, the once you get money involved, all you have to do yourself. You know, like, I I graduated um, high school in 2004, so I guess, you know, he was kind of, like, really at the precipice, like, just starting to – have these huge novels, I mean, Streety and, and Bride Collector. And, I mean, you know, they were just, he was kind of at the pinnacle, start, starting that ascension and all of the pressure that came with that. And I think he was just in a place where he was like, this is, I, I would never want you to have to face this. Because <laughs> um, so, it can be so hard. And so he was like, do something else, become a dentist. Like, 
I mean, you know, like a normal job, like not something that... A normal job where you're causing pain. You're just, you're doing pain in a different way. You're freaking people out in a different way. What's the sentence, right? What's the difference? So, and I was, and that was kind of good for me because I was very rebellious. And so I was like, okay, you you tell me I shouldn't, then I'm definitely going to. I think it was necessary. You know, it was like, all right, I'm, I'm very much that way. Like you say such and such, well, watch me do it. And then, you know be professional yeah. at it. So that's, you should have done the exact opposite, like bought you the computer, sat behind you and helped you. Then you would have been like, okay, yeah. I'm not I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. And he would have been exactly. like, yes. Reverse psychology. <laughs> Didn't work. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, but, yeah, yeah. So I always kind of like, this is my one uh-huh. dream. I mean, I got lucky enough to know kind of what I wanted to do right away. And yeah. then even luckier to, Be successful. You know, do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, the opportunity came along, the timing was there. I mean, there's obviously lots of luck involved and the hard work, but... um, Oh, it's the hard work. Yeah, it's lots of hard work. It's the hard work. I mean, I've interviewed many authors. Very, very rarely do you find an author that gets there by luck, because eventually the reader, like we talked about how smart they are, they're going to catch on to you, and they're just not going to they're not going to stay with you because you're either cheating them, the story's not there or whatever. And mm-hmm. so you still have to write a really, really good book to keep fans yeah. interested and with you. You might see yeah, them once, is- but you're not going to, they're not going to come back. Yeah. Yeah, and I was in a unique situation because I had this famous last name. And so I had like twice as much to prove as everybody else. Mm-hmm. because even though I was a first-time novelist, I was Ted Decker's daughter, and I right. decided, well, against kind of my will, which is fine, decided to publish under Rochelle Decker. I mean, that was like a publisher uh, requirement, <laughs> which makes sense. I understand, right, brand and all, as we talked about. So it makes sense. Hey, brand, but, yeah. Um, yeah, but, you know, so I was like, okay, not only are they going to be – not only can I not just get away with maybe – winging it or being like half ass at it like i have to be at a level that a decker fan you know thinks is acceptable and at that point that was very high um as an entry-level writer so it was yeah it was an interesting road but i mean the the learning curve was steep so um it made me work really hard and uh yeah, I'm very, very grateful for all of that, even though there were times when I was like, he was right. This is just too hard. This is not worth it. I should have done it. Then. <laughs> oh, yeah, because medical school is so much easier. So. <laughs> I know. That's true. That's true. You're right. It's, kind of, it's definitely a different kind of struggle. So is RochelleDecker.com the best place for everyone to find out about all your stuff and everything that you got going on? Yep, RochelleDecker.com. On, Since on you're not a huge social media person, that you said, so. Yeah, I, I'm also on Facebook. I do I do use Facebook uh, more regularly than anywhere else, which is just Rochelle Decker author. So okay. you can find me there as well. Nice. Well, I'll tell you what, Rochelle, it has been fascinating talking to you. I love the conversation. Can't wait to see what you got coming up next. Again, everybody, the book is called Nine. It is out now. However, you want to for whatever format you want. It's available in audio, correct? Am I right? Before I say that, it is. Yep, yep. it sure is. So you can get it, ebook, hardcover, um, audio form, however you want it. Again, the book is called Nine, RochelleDecker.com. That's D-E-K-K-E-R.com. So, Rochelle, we want to thank you so much for coming on. It has been fascinating talking to you. And, again, congratulations and good luck. Can't wait to see what you got coming next. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. All right. You have a good one. Bye-bye.